In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to read, and it's the start of a new section of the 1 Corinthians, the book of 1 Corinthians. I'm just going to follow along, read, we're going to just take the first six verses today and get started within a, what we I refer to as the three chapter section on spiritual gifts. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren. I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Father, we thank you and we come before you. Holy Spirit, have your way. Open your word to us. May our ears be open to hear, eyes to see what you have for us, and hearts to receive so they to be changed, renewed. We know by your word you can transform our minds. Lord, we want to have a mind that is in line with you and your will and for your purpose for our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today, we continue in the book of 1 Corinthians, and as you know, Paul's, many of Paul's letters are what we refer to as corrective epistles. Many of his letters were written to correct or to provide some clarity to the believers that he's writing to of how to live a Christian life. To move away from things that are not pleasing of the Lord and move toward and going the direction, the way he has uh, of, of according to his word. Because there's a challenge within the church back then and today where people have a tendency to want to live the way they want to live and they can classify it under the umbrella of the liberty, the Christian liberty. And as we see, there's a continuing context or thread, a thread that's going through this of how the Corinthians uh, believers back then were taking on this new identity of Christian liberty that they had, the freedom in Christ that we celebrate and are joyful about, but going and swinging, swinging that pendulum way too far to one direction, thinking they can live however they want to live because the Lord loves me. The Lord loves everybody. And I can live in sin, habitual sin, do whatever I want to do and, and cause chaos within the church and everything else, and he won't care. Well, he does care. I assure you, as we've been studying along, you know that. If you remember in chapter 7 of Corinthians, he says, Now concerning the things which you wrote to me, Paul says. Why? Because even the church recognized things were going crazy. We're a bunch of sinners saved by grace trying to live together in unity. It's going to be chaos at times, especially if, they're not, if we're not living in obedience to what the Lord of God says. So in chapter 7, Paul says, okay, I got your letter. I know some of these things you've been written down that are concerns and issues. And now he's, re 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 he's sending back a letter answering these challenges. And if you remember in chapter 7, Paul addressed the challenges with marriage. He addressed, remember, he talked about singleness. 
He talked about the fact that there's well, how to deal with divorce and remarriage. In chapters 9 through or 8 through 10, Paul addressed the issues of meat offered to idols. And can we do that or we can't do that? And, 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 and can we have the freedom to eat and drink whatever we want to? Or is it going to cause a brother to stumble? And we have to put our Christian liberties aside for the sake of those who are weak. Because we're loved for our brothers and sisters. That is why we do it. We put aside those things. In chapter 11, we talked about church order, speaking to the church order in worship services and the church order in communion service because there was chaos going on and roles and responsibilities between men and women and it was just getting blurred and they were going outside of what the word of God said and it caused confusion and chaos. And God, and God is a God of order. And so God used Paul here to write back to the believers in Corinth to let them know yeah, let's get back on, on track here, people. Because you don't want to be in disunity and division and fractions. That is not what my intent is for my body of Christ. I want unity. Why are so many people always looking for ways to up one on another, to get ahead of another? To separate and look at diversities and see those are bad when those are actually exactly what God wants is diversity within his body. So why do people do that? Because they do not keep their eyes on Jesus. <laughs> That's it. They don't follow God's way. And when you don't do that, it automatically will become diverse and become a, a problem in diversity. It brings chaos and disorder in the body of Christ. And that is not what he wants. And now we start a three-chapter subject on spiritual gifts. And we'll see that in chapters 12, 13, and 14. Here today in the first six verses, we're just going to talk about the work of the, of the, of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and, and what he is going to be doing and, and has done and, and does do in the body of Christ when it comes to the gifts, the ministries, and the, and the activities that he gives you and I in the body of Christ for the purpose of the body of Christ. And to keep that unity with the diversity in love. And we'll get, that, get to that part in chapter 13, as you know. So here, now in chapters 12 through 14, there's a, there, Paul is going to bring to light, this is the fifth question they must have been asking him in their letter, and he's going to address that fifth question here on, on spiritual gifts. Now what's interesting, as we've already studied, that these believers in Corinth were a gifted church. The, the, the giftings that we will be learning about were operational and were active within the church of Corinth. It wasn't like they were a dead church and no, no, there was no gifts moving about there. No, no one filling out the office of the ministries. That was happening. We know that. And we can go back to chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4. But the problem is, is they were doing them in a cardinal way. <laughs> so they were playing church, they were letting and, and doing things that are, were godly, but they were doing it in the flesh. They were doing it for self-gain, to get ahead of other people within the church, to make them look 
more spiritual and more important. And somehow they've arrived or something in that. So I believe in their heads, they think they really arrived spiritually. They had this all dialed in. They had the best knowledge and understanding. And we saw Paul address those puffed up attitudes, the swelling of the head because of the pride of knowledge. But they were doing it in the flesh. They were doing it in an in a worldly way, they allowed the, the things of the cares and the things of this world to seep into the body of Christ, and that was not, it's not to happen. And so as we get to this, this chapter, we, we see that just because a church says they have the spiritual gifts in the body and they're moving and people are just blessed by it and all kinds of things. It's not a mark of maturity, spiritual maturity of a church just because there's people speaking in tongues. Just because there's word of prophecy and the word of wisdom and knowledge, all these things are going on, does not mean it's a mature Christian church. And so as we go through, you'll see Paul is going to correct them, and he is also going to bring clarity for you and I as we go forward as a body of Christ. But that's why Paul is correcting, because they were not maturing in their faith. They were not exercising the spiritual gifts in line with the word of God. They were making it up as they go. And you don't make it up as you go. You test all things from what? The word of God. Everything I say, you are to examine and go back to the word of God and test, make sure everything I say is in line with the scripture. When you see the exercise of gifts, you see others in offices of positions of officers or ministries, you test and see, are they in line with the scripture? Because that's where our foundation is. That's where we have consistency and steadiness so that we can base our life on the word of God. And if you don't, there'll be this self-indulgent spirit that we see in the Corinthian believers here in this book that we read. Self-indulgence. It's all about me, man. I want what I want when I want it, and I'll do it however I want it, and people are just going to have to deal with it. And that's an attitude of pride that just destroys the body of Christ. And so the self-indigent spirit they have in other areas of their lives, in and out of church, produces this selfishness, this disunity, and apparent chaos, not only in the assembly of the believers that we see here, but there will be chaos in their own homes. And if, you're, if you can't... You can't have your family in order. How do you expect that you're going to come into the assembly of the body of Christ and think you're going to have order? So it's important that we learn and important that we line our, our attitude, our spirit in line with what God has from his word. Paul understood this. Paul understood that the Corinthian church did not understand how they are to operate the spiritual gifts in a way that glorifies God. Because it's one to have the gifts, it's one to be able to minister those gifts, but it's completely another thing to operate them in God's intent, God's way. And so Paul starts right in the very beginning here. There are three things we're going to see regarding the work of the Holy Spirit. 
And the first we see in verse 1 is the work of the Holy Spirit involves understanding. He says, Paul says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now, what does that mean? Well, he understands their background. He understands where they're coming from. They understand their, their worldview because they're Gentiles, as we will see, coming from a pagan world, from the, this worldliness and their, their viewpoint, their eye. Everything they see and view, even in church, is from this worldly perspective and not a biblical perspective. So they're blinded because they're just like, this is not lining up with what I'm used to in the world. I've come into the church world and just things are not... I'd rather just bring what I know in. Well, that's not how it's supposed to work, is it? We're supposed to take what the Lord gives us in here and take it out there and change the world. That's what he's called us to do. And so as we see here, there's this, this word gifts. If you look here in your Bible, the gifts is in italics, meaning it's not in the original uh, manuscripts of the, of the scripture. It should just say, what? Now concerning spiritual or spirituals or spiritual things brethren this is what he's referring to and he says that as as the translator obviously rightly added the word gifts because it's, it certainly brings the corinthians an attention that these spiritual things that you're doing in the in the church you're doing them carnality wise and you're not supposed to do that and that's causes of confusion and i understand that but he says i don't want you to be ignorant the the greek word here is agneo meaning agnostic or not to know or understand something so he recognized that i understand you don't understand these spiritual things i understand you don't understand spiritual gifts the working of the holy spirit in the lives of the people. And you're learning this and you need to grow and you need to mature and understand this. And it's amazing, even today, most people fear or are reluctant when you say, let's talk about the Holy Spirit. Oh, I'm not sure about that. What does that mean? There's a, there's, some seems to be a sense of fear or I don't want to talk about the Holy Spirit himself, the person of the Godhead, <laughs> because and what I find is if you talk to you, you find it's because you've had a really bad experience somewhere else when it comes to spiritual gifts. And you get become very reluctant. Or you come from a church background that taught to you that the spiritual gifts are no longer for today and they're not exercised today. And that is in the past and that went away. Well, let me reassure you they did not go away because the scripture is very clear. They are still active Today, that's the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of you in the body of Christ. So we'll talk about that to bring clarity. But Paul's here the, in the Corinthian Christians are given a reminder that it is good for us to know about the spiritual gifts, the working of the Holy Spirit, and not to be ignorant. Not to, I don't want to know it. I don't, you don't want to have that attitude. I don't want to know about that. Because then you're limiting on what God is doing in and around you, and you could put yourself at risk of doing something outside of the intent and the will of the, of, of, the, of the Holy Spirit himself. Paul even says, don't be ignorant here of the whole spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. 1, but he also says, don't be ignorant of God's plan for Israel in Romans eleven twenty five. He also says, don't be ignorant about the second coming of Jesus and the eternal state in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. He also says in his letters, don't be ignorant about the tactics of Satan 
in 2 Corinthians in chapter 3. So he has a, a theme where he's a corrective letter, right? He's trying to bring clarity, and he says, don't be ignorant. Don't be, like, don't, you don't know. You cannot, you need to know these things. Because to live a Christian life in this foolish, you must understand. These are critical things I need you to understand. Don't avoid the subjects. I don't want to talk about heaven. I don't want to talk about eternity. Don't be ignorant. Don't, don't, don't pass aside and say, I don't want to understand these things. Because God says we need to understand these things from this, what his word says. But sadly, many Christians are ignorant of these key points. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. We need the work of the Holy Spirit to know spiritual things. So to have us to know spiritual things, we need the Spirit of God, the working of the Holy Spirit, to work in and around and in us to know these things. We don't want to grieve. We don't want to suppress the Holy Spirit because if you do, you will not learn and grow in spiritual things. We also see in John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. No, man, I know you need a helper, and your helper kind of reminds you and comes alongside and brings back to your remembrance things you're supposed to know. And you're like, oh, I forgot those things. Sonny, I'm so glad you reminded me. Amen, man? Are you with me? Thank you. I think I'll take the amen. Thank you. But we also have the Holy Spirit who is coming to remind you of the things that he needs you to know in times and moments and places and situations. Bring back to memory the things he's taught you through the word. Because that is what's going to bring and lift you up out of those difficult times. Walk you through those uh, valleys of death. And he's going to then comfort you and encourage you as you're walking with him day by day. Because there's going to be challenges in your life. You're right, you with me? You're tracking with me, right? And so if, you're, if you know that, who do you turn to? Please don't tell me Oprah. And I can name a lot of those figureheads on the TV talking heads. You turn to him who is your helper, who's it's the part of the working of the Holy Spirit. That is who you turn to. And he will help you. But I don't see him, Corey. I don't see God. I don't see the Holy Spirit. You're right. But just like the wind, just because you can't see him, you doesn't mean you cannot see the effects of him working in your life. Oh, how many times I love to ask, do you see wind? Oh, some will even actually say yes. You do? You're seeing colors? <laughs> You're seeing images and shadow? No, no. You see the effects of the wind. You see the trees move. You, you feel it on your skin. You, you can hear it. All five senses. You can actually taste it if there's something in the air. But you don't see air. You don't see the wind. The Holy Spirit you may not see, but you can see and through all five senses of him working in and around your life. But are you paying attention? 
or do you do like what the world does? It's just a coincidence. It's just a freak thing that just took place. Eh, I don't care. I don't, I don't care. I don't even want to explain it. I'm just going to tune that out that ever happened. Paul says to you and I, don't be ignorant, my brother. You need to know the working of the Holy Spirit in and around your life because he is your helper in your life. And I don't know about you, I need a helper that knows all things, sees all things, and is everywhere. Because we go places, and, and sometimes it's the wee hours in the morning, and it's just you that is awake. And you are in the most dangerous and remote places around this world, and it's just you and the enemy. And you need your helper at those moments of time, my brothers and sisters. And he'll be there. See, the Bible speaks to a list of gifts of the Spirit. Now, as you study the scriptures, you'll see them in three specific sections regarding the gifts. They're in Romans 12, verses 6 through 8. And I believe those are the key ones you want to make sure you read and see. Obviously, here in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 11, and verse 28, if you want to draw your eyes down to verse 28, but also Ephesians 4, 11. Now, if you read the scriptures, you'll know that nowhere in the scriptures do they take those gifts and classify them in any categories. Now, we have a tendency to take them and then break them into categories to kind of help us understand some of these gifts. It may not be all the gifts that God, because the Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants to do. But he can break them down, and many times they'll break them down. Oh, those are the serving gifts. Those are the ministering gifts. Those are the sign gifts. But nowhere in the scripture breaks them out into these segments. They just refer to as God-given supernatural, natural gifts that he gives to his children for the benefit of the body of Christ. Not for you individually, but we'll get to more of that next week, but for the body of Christ. Because you're a member of the body. And so God, as we will see, has given you at least one gift when you got saved. And he has a purpose and a plan in your life, regardless of how you feel and regardless of what anyone says. You have a plan and a purpose in, within the body of Christ as a member of this body. And what is that? And then let God work through you to be the fullest. You want to be the best thumb in the body of Christ if that's what you, God's called you to be. You with me? So these gifts are not necessarily in order of the greatest to the lesser. There's no such thing as greater or lesser of the gifts. Some of the gifts overlap. Some of them uh, are, are taken and completed when they're bringing two to three together. They're just used in a dynamic way. <clears throat> but we see the fact that the work of the Holy Spirit involves involves understanding and we must understand these and we will spend several weeks 
around the subject of spiritual gifts. But then we see a second thing here in our scripture. In verse 2, the work of the Holy Spirit involves direction. And Paul says to them, you know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. So before the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives, they were being led by someone, by something. They were, lives were being directed and influenced and they were doing and following that that was being led, that was leading them. In their case, they were coming from a pagan world. So idols, these little statues and images and things in their lives were actually directing their lives. Leading them down a path of the worldliness of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. That's what idols will do because they're dumb. And yes, I know what your thoughts are. You're dumb if you follow those idols. Because you become who you associate with. Dumb idols, you're, you're just dumb following those things. And think about this. God is saying to you, don't, you're no longer following those dumb idols. You are following God Almighty himself. Think about it. You had to carry that dumb idol everywhere you went. Every time you moved, you said, get the idols, honey, off the shelves. We're taking, we're moving, here we go. But the living God says, you don't carry me. I'm going to carry you through life. What's better for you? Carrying an idol that you have to carry or as a burden around with you that's misleading you? Or would you allow God to carry you through life and lead you to ever eternal life? What's your choice today? Have you made that choice? If you haven't made that choice today to follow Jesus Christ, I pray by the end of today, of this message, you will give your life to Christ because if not, you're following the dumb idols because every one of us in our life has had dumb idols that we followed. Now, if you're a believer today, I certainly hope you don't have an idol that you've kind of, I don't follow that anymore, Pastor Corey. What's on your shelf? Ah, that's just a reminder of me of my past. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Stop being reminded of your past. It doesn't dictate your future. God is leading you. God dictates your future. If you would just follow him. But put away the dumb idols. They're, they're holding you back. They'll mislead you. Paul's very clear here. They've misled you. They, they're, they're, not, they're not helping you in your walk in Christ, people. You're sitting there, Corinthian believers, and you keep holding on and trying to figure out your past and blend it in with the future and the new life, and, and you're keeping the idols on the shelf, but you know you don't really worship them now. You're trying to understand what it means to worship Christ and follow Christ, but the idols seem to have a pull, and the worldliness has a pull, and you, oh, we have traditions, and i got to go back to the tradition of, of, of pagan worship and trying to do a little bit of that and, and even though the scripture says I do, I'm not supposed to do that but I such confusion don't you think you, you're not sure if you're going left or right you don't know if you're up or down you're this it's a roller coaster relationship and your life is a roller coaster get off the roller coaster because it's just not 
what you need, and, you, and it's, it's up to you. It's your choice if you do it or not. Because the Holy Spirit wants to direct and lead your lives. Because 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13, 14, if you remember, as we reference this many times, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself in an angel of light. That's why we stay focused on the word of God. Because even Satan out there is pretending to be a light so that you can go, ooh, light, squirrel moment. You know, you know that, that, that kind of looks, that blends my fleshly needs and desires that I want, and I'll blend that and, and justify it, and I'll follow that light and not realize that's just Satan mis, just misleading you. But if you go to the scripture, and your foundation is down the scripture, you'll look at that light and go, that does not line up. That is no Gouda. I'm not following it. And you cut it off. Immediately. Obedience, immediate obedience. Just cut it off. But that would be so painful. God is a God of comfort. When you do it his way, he'll comfort you. Cut it off. So, he goes on. And we see a third thing now. The work of the Holy Spirit involves salvation. In verse 3, he says, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So here Paul is very clear and very doctrinally sound, letting the believers know that in this very broad perspective or principle, discerning the matters regarding the spiritual gifts that we see. He says, judge things by how they relate to Jesus Christ. Does a supposed spiritual gift that you're about to exercise or to do, does it glorify Jesus? Yes or no? Or does it bring just attention to you and make you feel good? Does that promote the true Jesus or does it promote a false Jesus? Does it draw you to follow him or does it cause you to sway away or keep an arm's distance from him? Then that means you're following an idol. You're following falsely. You're, that is not, that's not the Holy Spirit that you're listening to if it takes you away from the word of God or things of the truth of God. It's simple. Are you with me? It's very simple. But you and I have to make those decisions every day. Does this line up with the scriptures and the character, the nature of Jesus? Would, do we see that in the, uh, the, the book of Acts? Do we see it in the epistles? Do we see this played out? If it's not, we do not touch it. Regardless if you don't, if you, uh, don't even understand it, you just don't touch it. Why? Because by faith and not by sight you choose And that is a sign of maturity, my brothers and sisters, that I hope you get to as quickly as possible so that you have a joyful, peaceful uh, Christian life. Because when you get there and to a point where you're just, Lord, it only matters what you show and tell me. And I'm just going to be obedient to that regardless of how I feel and what I understand. If I'm ignorant, Lord, show me and equip me and give me the word of knowledge and wisdom to understand these things so I can correct how I think. And so it's no longer stinking thinking, but in line with what is good and right based on what your word says. 
But you must mature. You must exercise. You must work out your salvation in these ways. Because he says, anyone who is led by the Spirit cannot go against Jesus, cannot curse him. And anyone who sits there and says, oh, I, 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 yeah, I have a relationship with Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I go to church once in a while. I, I was raised in a Christian family. My spouse is saved. But they can accurse Jesus. They can put him down. They can choose to put him aside. They can mock him. Don't be fooled. That person does not have a relationship and filled with the Holy Spirit. Because he says no one can say that Jesus is Lord except the Holy Spirit. No one can sit there and say, Jesus, you're my master. You're my Lord. I am your servant. I will be obedient to whatever, wherever you want me to go and do. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit giving them empowerment to be able to do that. And so one of the tests in my own life, or as I'm sitting down and counseling or spending time with someone, and I hear the things that come out of their mouths, I can tell that if they're not being submissive and, and, and bending and movable to the movement of the Holy Spirit because everything comes out of their mouth is a demand and requirement and what they want and when they want it and where they're going to go and you're not going to tell me what any, wherever I go. But God says you're going to, I don't want to. But you're going to, God says, no. You need the Holy Spirit to be active in your life. Let your helper pave your way. And it will be great. It will be great, my brothers and sisters. Jesus made it plain, saying that when the Holy Spirit would come, he would testify of me, John 15, 26. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you, John 16, 14. You want to know what the will of God is for your life? The Holy Spirit's going to declare that to you. Do you want to be directed in your life and be in line and be able to testify of Jesus Christ of who he is in your life, that he's your Savior and your Lord? The Holy Spirit will give you and empower you to do that. The ministry of the Holy Spirit, the working of the Holy Spirit, is not to promote himself or any man, but to glorify and present Jesus to you and to others. He can and therefore trust that the true ministry, the true working of the Holy Spirit will be according to the nature of Jesus himself. Because the Holy Spirit cannot testify of anyone else but the nature of Jesus. So how does that practically work out for you and I? Someone comes to you he, they start t pouring out and presenting a problem, an issue, or something. All you have to do is listen to what they're saying, and you can go, that doesn't line up with the nature of Jesus. That doesn't line up. I, I know in the scripture that says this, and they're saying this, and they're saying like that. That's truth, but that's not what the scripture says. You and I can immediately right there discern that that is not of God. Because the Holy Spirit is not going to 
not testify of the nature of Jesus, they're not going to go against the word. It's just the way it is. So you and I can sit there and be a self, that, that, that assurance that as God, that your children are bringing things to you, you can sit there and listen to them and know if this is of God or not. When your spouse gives you a line and says things and takes you down and tries to convince you, oh, we got to do this, and, and you just sit there and say, mm, sweetheart, I think we should be praying about that more because just not lining up with what, mm, it's just, mm, flags are popping here, not sure. And the script, you do realize, sweetheart, the scripture does say this about that. You can discern. You can help God. The Holy Spirit's going to help you in your decision makings and problem solving, even at work. When people come to you and they're trying to put these burden, these things and demands on you at work, and you're saying, I don't know what decision or what I need to do or where I need to go and the pressures. and You need to just be still and, and say, God, I need I need, I, need, I need God, and I need, I need to get clarity. And what I'm hearing them say is just not lining up with here, and I feel like I'm being manipulated and moving. God is going to show you if you just bring it back to the foundation that you face your life on, and that is Jesus Christ. And what the Word of God himself says to you. Our life will be marked by this supernatural working in our life and only God could be working in your life to get the results, the fruit that would bear in your life because of that. People are going to look at your life and go, I don't know how you do what you do. How did that get accomplished? Where have you got, it's, it is mind-boggling. How did you know that? How, how were you able to make that decision? How are you able to stay calm through that terrible chaos that the, the, the life-threatening experience how did you find peace and joy through that and you go they're going to go how because now then you have a testimony say because i'm a child of god and he, he's given me a helper and, and that the spirit of god lives inside me and he's going to give me everything i need for this life and for eternity how do you think you're going to be a parent how do you raise kids apart from the help of the Holy Spirit? I don't know how you do it. I know. I remember before Christ and trying to raise kids and, have, and being a marriage. And then I knew what it meant after. I have a clear picture, my brothers and sisters. I know what to have a marriage outside of Christ and one inside Christ. One to try to raise kids outside of Christ and one inside. I'm telling you there is only one way. A good, the best way, the great way, the, the true and accurate way. God's way. Not, not the world's way. It'll just bring chaos and confusion. But you have, your life will be such a beacon to those around you as God is supernaturally working through your life. And even you will be in awe. You're like, where did that come out of my mouth? God... Lord, man, I, didn't even th I haven't thought about that scripture in years. But that's exactly what my, my coworker needed to hear. Or that's what my child needed to hear. That's what my brother and sister in Christ needed to hear. But do you believe that Jesus is Lord? Do you believe Jesus is Lord? He is master. He is over all things, including your life. Do you believe that? 
That he died for your sins on that cross. Do you believe that? That he rose again on the third day. Do you believe he's living in today? Interceding for you and I in heaven. Do you believe that Jesus is God in the flesh, the incarnate? If you believe that, it's because the Holy Spirit has given you the ability to know that. You've chosen Jesus by faith in Christ alone of what he's done, and the Holy Spirit has filled you up and empowered you to be able to do that. But you made a decision. to follow. You want to have that relationship with Jesus. And the ability to believe these things comes only one way as we see right here the working of the Holy Spirit in your life. Therefore, if you can truly say Jesus is Lord, you can be assured that the Holy Spirit is touching you and desires to reside in you and work through you. That's a promise. The false teachers, oh, they'll claim their visions, they'll claim their revelations, they'll claim their messages are from God and were from God, but they deny the humanity of Christ himself and accursed Jesus. They deny his sovereign lordship over their life. And when you see someone who says, Jesus will not rule my life, mm, watch out. That is a red flag popping. So anyone who tries to go against Jesus' authority, anyone who deliberately goes against his word, will suffer consequences as we will see because you will be left ignorant and accused themselves. And you can go back and read chapters 14, verse 38, and 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 22. And then we'll wrap up here these last three verses, four, four five, and six here. We'll see now the diversities of the work of the Holy Spirit. We will see the link of the Trinity here in the scriptures. Make sure you take note that we will see the Godhead in, in the working of what we're going to be reading here through the different spiritual gifts. In verse 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. So take note, the first one right here is that the gifts are linked to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives the diversity of gifts so that individuals can serve the Lord in his body, the church. That's why he gives you gifts. And each one of us has been given a gift when you were saved. The Holy Spirit will be looking and examining the subject of these spiritual gifts in our lives and working through those. And if you look at the scripture here, we know that we take and look at this verb here, this word here, gift, it means charismata or the word greek word means gifts of grace or refers to the gifts of special abilities god has given believers through the holy spirit we get our word charisma from this greek word you get a word charismatic church from this church or from this word we at calvary chapel are are referred to as a charismatic church because we believe in the spiritual gifts that God has given and the exercise of those gifts and offices are for today. If you do not believe those other churches that do not believe that, then they would not be considered a charismatic church. But we are not, we are charismatic, but we are not charismaniacs. There is a difference. 
We do not take charismatic or the spiritual gifts and take those and do with whatever we feel and emotionally are driven to do with them. There is a God order. There is a way to exercise those gifts. There's offices appropriately of God, and it's clear in the word. So we are charismatic church because we believe in the spiritual gifts. We want those gifts to be exercised appropriately according to the word of God in our lives in the body of Christ. But unfortunately, we see, and that's what draws a lot of people away from the subject of the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts, is many churches have taken those gifts and have gone way outside the boundaries and the order of what God has for his gifts. And as we study those gifts as we go, you, that will bring to light, and some of you will have flashbacks and start shaking and going, oh, I'm so glad I'm no longer in that church. Um, but then there's some of you, and I recognize this, and I recognize there are some great theologians, I mean great Bible teachers out there that today their whole movement is about not there's no spiritual gifts today and I recognize that and they're good teachers I just don't agree with them I just go with what the word of God says and I stick with the word of God I don't go with what they say so as we go through this again as the spirit of God moves please share with those things with me if you have any struggles I'm happy to help you So the spiritual gifts or the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not the same as the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit himself. When you get saved, he comes in and he seals you for eternity. What we're referring to here, as Paul's talking, is the gifts, plural, of the Holy Spirit. And the gift of the Holy Spirit is received the moment the person trusts Jesus Christ as their Savior. Simon Peter said to the multitude on the day of Pentecost, Repent and let one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive what? The gift of the Holy Spirit, Acts 2.38. But here he says, once you're saved, then he's given you the gifts, the abilities to within the body to be able to help each other within the body. Spiritual gifts are abilities that God gives you. That it gives you as a believer for the purpose of the worship service. They are not human talents. Human talents are inadequate to do the work of God. You as a believer cannot coach someone else in a gift because you can't give that gift. Only God himself, the Holy Spirit, gives the gift. Are you tracking with me? Now, I know some of you are spinning inside and out because you were taught your whole life in a different church that says you need to teach that brother how to do that gift. That is not your role. It's the Holy Spirit's role to teach the gift, to provide and give. Are you with me? The gifts of the Holy Spirit are not the same as the various ministries or offices that are mentioned, we'll see in Ephesians 4. But those who occupy offices should possess those spiritual gifts that goes with that office. But yes, you can have the gifts, but not have the office. And we'll talk about that as well as we go through, for instance, prophecy and teaching. Just because you're not up here with the gift of teaching for the ministry of of the office of teaching, that doesn't mean you're not going to be teaching someone one-on-one over a a cup of coffee and tea about the things of God. So you got to if you have the gift of teaching, you might be doing it just not in the office of the teaching. Are you with me? 
Now in verse 5, not only are there diversity of gifts, but we see that there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. So now we see the other Godhead, Lord Jesus Christ here, has, is bringing about the differences of ministries. The ministries are linked to the Son, and we see that Jesus has set in place various ministries or offices for the gifts to be used in. The word ministry here used in, and also used in Ephesians 4.11, we see five ministries noted there. One, apostle. It means messenger. One sent out into some area or situation to share the truth or the reality of Jesus Christ. An apostle is a, like a church planter, is someone who is a missionary. But that doesn't mean they have to go to a foreign land to be that missionary or to plant a church. But it's that, that office, that position that God has put in that person to go out and do that kind of work of the Holy Spirit. The second is the prophet, the one who shares words to edify and to encourage and to comfort at precisely at the right time in exactly the right way with the right words of God given to them by the Spirit. So you are, have the, if you have, uh, you know, have the gift of prophecy, then God can use you in, in such a mighty way to, to edify, encourage, and comfort your sister. And God is so important in the body that we have people with that gift of prophecy. But then there are also the, the office of the prophet who is also in that role. Then there's an evangelist. One who simply shares the, the Lord wherever he or she goes. Preaching the truth. Sharing the gospel of salvation with the lost. Again, there's an evangelist office. And that person is in a position where that is, that is what God has used them. And they can get in front of 50,000 people. And thousands come just by just sharing the truth of salvation. But then there are you and I who are, may not be in an evangelist position of office, but you have been given the gift of evangelism, and you can go one by one. It just seems like within seconds, minutes, you're going from, I don't know you, hi, I'm, and let me tell you about Jesus. Oh, you want to, and you're praying, and they're saved. And, and you're like, I just stepped away a few minutes, I come back, and the guy is saved? What, what did you say to this man? You're looking at someone who has the gift of evangelism. When you sit there and you look at a, a, a Greg Laurie and you're, we're at Harvest America and he's in front of, and his heart is constantly, let's get another 50, 100,000 people. Let's go and reach another 150, 200. Billy Grant. Those are people in an office of evangelism. But also given, of course, the gift of evangelism. Pastor. The pastor is the shepherd who loves and serves and serves and protects the flock that God has brought to him. No, one who comes alongside people to help them in their spiritual growth. That's what a pastor does. Has a heart, a love for the people and willing to get down in the trenches and hear and listen and to go through and pray for and to earnestly help them to grow in their relationship with Christ. To mature in their, their faith. And then there's a teacher, one who shares truth with others, who teaches the truth so that you can hear what God has for you, instructing converts into the doctrinal truths of the Christian life. They teach the word 
of God. Now, some will say, oh, that's not five. I think there's only four because there's a pastor teacher. And the way it's written in the scripture, it looks like it's one and the same. Oh, I assure you it's not. Because I do know some incredible biblical teachers. But they hate people. They, they have no desire to get down in the weeds and listen to your story. You know, go tell someone else that. Assistant pastor, get over here and can you talk to them? They have no desire to listen to your junk and to help you and instruct. They just want to teach, and God has used them in an incredible way to teach the Word of God. That is, that's their office, but it's also their gifting. And there's pastors who love the one on one and will share, but they're just. They're just not wanting to get up and just constantly teach. Getting up every week, teaching, going through the spiritual warfare week after week after week in preparation to teach the word of God is something, is not for calling for everybody. Matter of fact, that position has a very strong consequence if you mislead or don't teach the word correctly you will be judged more harshly by God himself. So it is not a position of office you want, and it's not something you just haphazardly, sounds like fun, let's go up there and do it. You have to make sure it is calling of God. Then we see in verse 6 here, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there are diversity of activities. But it is the same God, God the Father, who works all in all. Who does all this? Who gives the gifts? Who's, who's, who's orchestrating the activities? Who's got all these offices? He is orchestrating all in all. All in all. You don't, you're not doing it. I'm not doing it. But God's doing it all. It's, it's, the word here, actives, is used two times in the New Testament, and it means energy or power or effectiveness, or a key word I like is operations. The word is, is in, in, in there, Energima, which means that energy. So the Father empowers the working of the Holy Spirit to do these activities, a diversity of activities that we are going to see more in detail next week. We're going to see that the Father empowers and exercises under his protection and his direction the spiritual gifts, gifts used in the ministry. So no, no, we, we know for a fact that there's no dumb idols that are guiding us in these things. That God the Father himself is involved all in all in giving the production and direction of the exercise of those the spiritual gifts in the ministry or the body of Christ. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is a supernaturally natural when we simply allow and respond to the Lord's leading. Know there are different kinds of gifts that are given by the Spirit. We see that in Romans 12. We see that there are, there are differences in ministries. None, not more important than the other. But they're open and, and used by the Son in Ephesians 4. And then we see the operation or activities that are empowered, directed by the Father himself here in 1 Corinthians 12. It is the same Spirit, the same Lord, the same God are involved in all of them. 
So we have a full assurance as we move through this and are open and allowing God to work in your life. You have the full assurance that God is in control. And we will see more in the details of this chapter as we get into those activities next week. Father, we thank you for this morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking to us, bringing clarity to our hearts to correct and, and to mold and shape us. Lord, solidify those those truths that you have from your word on our hearts, in our minds, and to, to bring this sense of peace from you, to know and trust that you're in control of our lives, and you desire for us to be active, empowered by you, directed by you, led by you, for the purpose of blessings, edifying and encouraging and comforting those in the body, in and out of the body. So, Lord, we just thank you that you have chosen us, vessels that you're prepared to for your purpose for your kingdom lord we thank you for your love your grace and your mercy upon us and if there's anyone here today that does not know you i pray today they will surrender their lives and give their life to you and that they won't turn back they will let go of those dumb idols in their life that might mean even themselves because they think so highly of themselves that they would die of self and live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen.